meaningful engagement sounds like you're stimulating conversation, real thought about the topic that's in the piece of content, but that's not what you see. You don't really see any actual comments that say very much. People are just tagging a friend. Warning. This podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations, and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this, but if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week on Social Minds, we were joined by our own Mike Blake Crawford, who is the strategy director here at Social Chain. Now, we wanted to talk to Mike about a topic that's been confusing marketers since January, and that is meaningful engagement. What is the meaning of it and who dictates the definition? Yeah, Mike is an absolute oracle of knowledge when it comes to social media. So what was meant to be a conversation initially just about Facebook obviously went on to Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and all the other platforms. We really, really tried to delve down into this idea of meaningful engagement, what it means to marketers and who defines it basically. Is it, you know, the job of the platforms? Is it the job of the users, algorithms? There's so much to cover in it. So we really, really hope you enjoy this episode. I will, as is often customary, ask you as well, if you're listening on iTunes or anywhere where it's possible to leave a review, please do. It's a great help to us. And we really, really want to know what you think of the podcast so far. I really hope you've been enjoying it. What is meaningful engagement and who decides its definition? Um, I think that's a good question. The In terms of who decides its definition, that's obviously come from the platforms itself. Mm -hmm. In terms of what it is, I don't think anybody actually knows from an actual um, measurable perspective. Mm. Um, And that, in essence, is why it's such a powerful tool for Facebook at the moment in terms of their commercial objectives and business objectives. So you're saying that they, by being sort of vague with it... Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what it is. I mean, if if you look at... um, there's a, ever since meaningful engagement became a thing, um, if you look at kind of industry blogs and, and guidance on how to deliver meaningful engagement, mm. nobody actually knows because mm. nobody actually knows exactly what it is. I said the exact um, same thing yesterday. We we're trying to do some research and it's it's those advice blogs and sort of listicles yeah. and it's like five ways to engage your audience yeah. in a meaningful yeah. way. And it's all very vague. Yeah. Even after Facebook made changes to its algorithm, the advice that was coming out was just brands need to play by the new rules. Yeah. But there was no... Nobody wants to, to confirm or deny exactly what those rules are because nobody really knows. Mm. Um, so it's very smart. I mean, it's, it's a great way of, of creating something for people to think about, but not actually answer mm. do you think on that note do you think facebook know even that themselves <laughs> um, what meaningful engagement is i mean they've, they've got an idea of, of what that means to, to them but i think ultimately in regards to the algorithm and we'll keep coming back to this is the fact that it's personalized so mm. you can talk about meaningful engagement as a whole but for individual people meaningful engagement means something else mm. um your feed is ultimately a reflection of your interactions and what you choose to engage with mm. so you know for you your meaningful interaction and engagement is probably something dif- different to mine mm. maybe not mm. um who knows and and that's the that's the core core thing at the end of the day because then as well we come on to something interesting that you were saying uh the other day when we when we caught up which was about uh the use of memes yeah. on social media and i maybe slightly jumping the gun a bit here but uh you were saying that um 
Well, we've got two schools of thought, I suppose. We've got memes and we've got these whole, uh, what you were saying about questions. And you'll, you'll often get those posts from a brand, won't you? Where it says, who else feels like this? And it might be mm. a meme. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in regards to questions, it's a really interesting one because that kind of comes back to those blogs and guidance. And I've got a few yeah. examples of things that I've seen, actually. Because um, I've looked at loads since January to see exactly what meaningful engagement was yeah. to um, industry commentators and to see if there was any clarity that I could then um, take and apply to the strategies that we develop here. Mm. Um, and I, I looked at a few um, on there just to see, and some of them were um, provide something compelling, authentic, and oh, useful. So like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> As a fashion brand, that's going to be a really um, challenging one to overcome. Um, create and upload videos that prompt conversation. Um, use your content to solve your audience's problems. Mm, I so saw I've, that I've one. I've got a lot of problems. You know, everyone has problems. It's marketing in life, on this, isn't yeah, it? Wow. So I think it's going to be really difficult to find something on Facebook that's going to solve those problems. Yeah. But um, create content that encourages meaningful interaction. So it says encourage conversation, a conversation, sharing and comments. Um, but that's the thing. If you actually do that organically, um, just by asking a question, you fall foul of engagement bait. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, which is something that Facebook are trying to stop, which, mm. you know, is understandable. But um, an example is, you know, we, we manage a, a brand page that's got over 4 million followers. Um, if we're to ask a question or even hint at a question in the copy of the post, um, then that post will get reach limited. So what that means is that, you know, 4 million followers, fantastic. But in terms of reach, we'll reach maybe 2,000 people. Um, and that's like 0.05% yeah. of the total audience base. However, right. if we put spend behind it, it absolutely rockets mm. and you get the engagement that you want. Um, do you think that's just Facebook trying to get people to put more spend behind posts? Because just saying no to any question seems really limiting. Like, what if it's a genuine, authentic conversation yeah, you're trying and, to have? Yeah, and you know, we've trialed multiple different ways of phrasing questions, um, but whatever we do, <laughs> it gets reach limited. So um, it's yeah, it's very difficult to overcome that hurdle, and then it brings you back to the question about you know how what is meaningful engagement and how mm. do you foster it um i mean in regards to the facebook's motive with meaningful engagement um i think there's kind of two ways of looking at looking at it so there's obviously the pr element so mm. um i think if you look at last year and what happened to facebook um in terms of user growth so there were a lot of um a lot of reports coming out towards the end of the year that they were struggling to attract new users mm. um, in mm. the US. And that's a challenge that they've got across the developed markets. Mm. Um, we kind of reach peak Facebook. Everybody's got a Facebook yeah, account. Yeah. How do you get more people to um, sign up? It's quite difficult when you, everybody's already on it, which mm. is why they're putting such a priority on um, developing markets. I'm sure you've heard about the... Um, bringing the internet to Africa and there was the mm. whole um, mm. thing in yeah. India as well in yeah. terms of providing free internet mm. Um, mm. which is free but you know you've got to use Facebook um, right. to access it's it like a portal. Um, but anyway in terms of that negative user growth one way um, that they could appease you know prospective investors and speculators was to you know take some action so to speak and mm. 
Um, one of the things that social networks kind of live or die by is the value of the feed. Mm. Um, mm. The feed has to remain valuable. The minute it loses value, you start to lose users. Mm. Um, and, you know, outcomes Mark Zuckerberg towards the end of last year, January, and he says, we're going to make the news feed more valuable. And to do that, we're going to prioritize meaningful interactions. So, you know, once there was a time that people were really happy to just go onto Facebook and see pictures of their friends, mm. Um, mm. of their family and holiday and nights out and stuff like that. But we're now in a, a place where for, for many people, it's an entertainment channel mm. um, where they go to watch funny videos and yeah. keep up to, to date with news and trends. Um, and again, that kind of pulls back to the fact that that's what people want to see. And, you know, in terms of the algorithms, people are shaping their own news feeds. Mm. Mm. Um, but, you know, that that's caused problems in some respects, because if you look at politics, for example, um, people with certain views are ending up living in kind of echo chambers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're very right wing and you engage with right wing. You've seen all this um, from like Alex Jones and all that, yeah, like the old yeah. right and yeah, all definitely. the that's going on there. Um, and yeah, people will end up seeing that content anyway. So regardless of what the PR says, yeah. again, it kind of comes back to mm. that fact that you know, the algorithm, the way that it works, it's tailored to the individual. Yeah, so. I mean, I like, I've been noticing that um, on my own feed after hearing about all the changes and supposedly they're going to uh, be showing more personal stuff and less yeah. publisher and brand stuff. But I go on my feed and it's still the same like publisher-led videos. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if it's because people in my network aren't posting like they once did. Yeah. So there's not much for them to bring up. Or the more skeptical uh, version for me is that it is just PR. All yeah. the things they've been saying about mm. meaningful engagement, they're saying one thing, and in reality, the algorithm isn't actually changing that much. Yeah, I mean, the algorithm's definitely changed. And in, in terms of engagement, if you look back over the past 18 months, it's actually fallen by about 50% on average wow. um, for brand pages. So the algorithm has definitely changed. However, what, what hasn't changed is user behavior. And that's the crux of it. Some yeah. people are still engaging with those viral videos. And yeah. it's really funny if you look at the tubular rankings for the past year and you look at those viral publishers like Lad Bible, Student Problems, 9 to 5 Life, you look at their video views, they actually increase. So in respect to the algorithm changing and devaluing that content, it's obviously not working because mm. their views mm. are up. Mm. Um, Users so that, are like pushing back. Yeah, yeah, basically. So users are still engaging with that content and mm. it's still attracting engagement. Um, so that kind of comes back to that question of kind of PR versus commercial value mm. and it kind of leads mm. into that commercial elements of it because the key thing is that in terms of value of the feed, there's value of the feed to the user, but then there's value of the feed to Facebook and Facebook needs those yeah. viral publishers because it needs people to come on to the platform to engage. Mm. And that's what they're engaging with. So, you know, one way of looking at it is that this change to the algorithm is kind of like financial fair play of sorts, but from a social perspective, because a lot of those big publishers have found the landscape quite challenging. Mm. Um, you know, it's quite competitive. It's very easy to find a piece of viral content and post it onto Facebook. I could do it, you could do it. Um, nothing stops anybody from doing that. And, you know, last year I would see sometimes 
like really random pages, like your Latino story and um, mm. Super Laugh Bible. And they'd have, you know, one video that's gone mega viral and they've attracted loads of followers off the back of it. That stuff can't happen anymore with the algorithm changes. Smaller pages now that are coming up won't be able to chip away at the, the big publishers and the big brands on Facebook because of the algorithm changes. The only way they're going to get discovered is if they spend money. So it's quite smart from Facebook's point of view. They're appeasing their biggest partners, mm. so to speak, mm. in terms of the viral media publishers, because they're the people and the brands that are bringing users to the platform, which mm. is very important for Facebook from a commercial perspective. And at the same time, they're making it more difficult for people starting out. However, if you were to start out with the dream of setting up a big viral publisher, you can do it. You just need to spend money. So Facebook mm. wins in, in both respects. So what, what, where, where do agencies and brands fall into this? So obviously you've got the publishers who are, who are, seem to be getting this fair deal now. But as you'll know, I suspect, you know, you'll have a lot of agencies and marketers who have a tendency to sort of read DigiDay or other marketing um, resources elsewhere. And they'll often make knee-jerk reactions on the back of these algorithms. Are you sort of saying, in a, in a, in a sense, ignore what you're reading because this is still what works and I know we have like a 70 20 10 model yeah I, I wouldn't say ignore it um you can't ignore it because it's real the algorithm mm. has changed it and has, it has had yeah. some impacts but in terms of making knee-jerk reactions you should never be knee-jerk however you should always be testing because it's not the platforms that you need to be conscious of its users and mm. users habits are ever-changing um, so rather than focusing on Facebook's new algorithm update, it's more kind of what are users engaging with? Mm. And because ultimately, as, as we keep coming back to, they dictate how the algorithm works for them. Yeah. And so yours, the users in this case are more important than the algorithm in that sense. Did, did, yeah. the, did the users have a... Were you just saying that the users have a sense of directing which way the algorithm goes? For themselves. Right. Um, Facebook ultimately direct the overall algorithm sure. and you know the work that they do they're taking a lot of lessons from Google mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Google over the years in terms of the search engine have changed the algorithm countless times which mm -hmm. has you know killed SEO strategies overnight mm. but what that has done consistently is increased the value of Google ads mm. for a business because if you know if you can't win organically you know if you if you were to look at organic social and paid social and um compare it with search engines as a parallel organic social is seo basically mm, mm. um paid social ppc and google ads and yeah what that has done for google is it's created a very lucrative business model where google ads have increased in value and the same thing is happening with with facebook and and paid paid ads and paid social so you know if you look at the news feed as a finite resource you've got friends you've got family you've got publishers groups brands they're all vying for space as well as ads um, they all want to be, you know, top of the newsfeed in those first few scrolls. Mm. If you are to take the question of newsfeed value and look at it from Facebook and the user perspective, what's the least valuable piece of content? Arguably, it's branded content. Mm. So if mm. you then remove branded content, and this is organic branded content, then you've got a whole load of space. Um, that can then be used for ads. And one of the things that has changed with the new algorithm is that ads are now up-weighted. And those spaces that were taken up by organic brand posts are now taken up by sponsored ad brand posts. Um, so what you're seeing is that shift towards a more paid model um, really on Facebook, which has been happening for years. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
Um, and the whole kind of Facebook zero thing is is really been hammered home um, this year. Now, another question I have for you, and it's to do with, I feel like if meaningful engagement is the umbrella, this this sort of falls underneath it, it's that the whole time well spent movement that's going on. And this right. is sort of, uh, I, I suppose, it's taking responsibility for our uh for our social usage in a way and the platform's also taking a degree of responsibility by showing this is how much time you spend on Instagram, this is how much time yeah. you spend on Facebook, etc. Um, now, th- can Facebook and Instagram, because these are the two main platforms, can they, in effect, have this sort of agenda of being seen to be quite PR friendly and being seen to be like quite, uh, you know, vocal and stuff like internet addiction and whatnot yeah. but also at the same time peddle this commercial agenda where we are out there to make brands money and agencies money and and so on and so forth yeah i mean it's very difficult isn't it because it's conflicting mm. um mm. on one side they're saying use us less but then from the commercial side they need people to use facebook and instagram more to to grow revenues yeah. which is the aim is of any business um, one thing I find quite interesting is the um, the change on Instagram now, the you're all caught up feature, which, you mm. know, in essence is, um, it sounds great from a PR perspective because it's, you know, it's showing people that you don't need to keep scrolling. And, you know, it has stopped me from mm. scrolling past things that I may have already seen. However, if you look at the strategy of Instagram overall and you look at where the growth is, the growth is in stories. So, mm. you know, when you scroll through the feed and it ends, then where do you go? You go to stories and there's nothing yeah. in stories that says to you, you've watched too many stories. Yeah. <laughs> so I think until we see that, the PR element versus the commercial element and the commercial element for me is, is in the lead. Mm. They're doing um, like just enough to make themselves look good, aren't they, yeah, while still yeah, hitting but, their but bottom also, line. So yeah, it's very smart in the sense that, it, you know, it comes up in the feed and it directs you straight up to stories. It's almost um, like a rebound, so to speak. Very um, tactile in a way. Mm. Very yeah, like tactile yeah. in a way, it seems. Yeah. It's, it's, uh... I think it's interesting though, from like, the public's perspective, you're saying that, you know, can they get away with peddling mm. um, their like morals while still hitting their commercial bottom line? And I think people are way more skeptical of Facebook than they are of Instagram. Mm. Instagram puts mm. out the same PR message as Facebook and people are like, oh, okay, that's nice. Forgetting that they're the same company. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. It always seems Yeah, to me. I mean, th- that's that's the case. I mean, obviously Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp are all part of the same machine and, you know, you hear... Um, articles coming out recently about Facebook's negative growth um, within certain demographics within the 18 to 24s and it's a huge issue but it's not a huge issue when you've got a platform called Instagram which is the fastest growing platform of 2018 and Mm. in terms of the demographic cohorts it's huge in 18 to 24 year olds so um, that was definitely the best billion dollars they ever spent Um, and it's pretty incredible to think of the value of what that would be now um, in 2018, um, but a very smart move. I always wonder how much of Facebook they put, how much of Facebook goes into Instagram, because we know that Facebook has been peddling meaningful engagement. But have you been seeing that on Instagram as well? Yeah, I think the same things happen there. I think if you look at the way that the algorithms tailored on Instagram, um, the same thing has occurred. So it's mm. it's made it more difficult for. Um, brands that are starting out and publishers that are starting out to Mm. gain a foothold but people that are already highly engaged 
um, a sort of retaining that engagement um, and there has been um, a shift in terms of the types of engagement as well so mm-hmm. um, a lot of the brands that we're working on our focus is driving comments because comments are, are ranked higher in the algorithm than likes for example so um, and interestingly, you're actually not penalized yet on Instagram for asking questions. So oh, um, what, what you'll see for a lot of brands is that on Facebook, they're not asking questions on organic posts, but on organic posts on Instagram, it's all about stimulating conversation in a direct way. Yeah. So this is a, a, this is sort of giving way to another interesting subject, which is the subject of vanity metrics, I suppose. So you yeah. were saying you're focusing a lot more on comments but you'll probably know full well a number of brands or whoever will come to you and say, we want X amount of likes. Mm. And the comments almost seem like they become secondary. I know if I were to post something on Instagram, I'd probably be looking more at the 50 likes I get than the 10 comments. Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing about vanity metrics, it's the question of the value of engagement. Mm. Um, It's really funny, actually. So yesterday... Apple, the world's first trillion dollar company, Mm -hmm. uh, made their first organic Facebook post. Um, And it's pretty incredible to think that, you know, a brand of the the size and scale of Apple um, don't pursue an engagement um, focus for their social media strategy. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame because I used to always show the page that had 12 million followers and zero posts, but oh, now, they've got now one. it's got one post. It's gone mega viral, of course. Um, and it's a great example of, of social first execution for a hero video. Um, but that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of brands, a lot of briefs that we get, um, if I go back over the years, there's probably two questions um, or two requirements that we get the most and that's we want to make it go viral mm-hmm. um and we want the engagement and you know i will say to brands often you know what what is it that you actually want and they'll be like oh but we want likes comments and shares you want followers it's like no you know what do you do and they'll be like oh well we sell shoes i'm like oh so you want to sell shoes like no we want to get engagement and, you know it's that <laughs> disconnect between engagement and selling shoes um you know are they connected and on the surface they're not um however there are some things that are quite interesting so um the key thing for any brand um more so than engagement is reach and reaching new people and Mm. you know ultimately conveying your message to new audiences Mm. um however the best way to do that outside of just paying for reach is is using engagement as a tool to drive viral reach because the way that the algorithm works is that if somebody engages with a piece of content it tends to increase the viral reach so Mm. you know how many times have you seen in your feed that so-and-so likes X brand or so-and-so has commented on this post and it by proxy comes into your feed. So rather than focusing on getting X number of engagements or looking to get an X percent engagement rate, it's actually looking at the quality of those engagements and how you can leverage them to drive reach Mm. and drive new audiences. And, And this came down to something quite interesting recently. So for one of the brands that we work on, we've been doing a lot of meme focused content and in the whole kind of mantra of meaningful engagement i was keen to understand um how valuable um the memes were Mm, in mm. terms of business goals because 
you know, there were some quite challenging conversations with the client as to why we were taking their content strategy on a, a direction that basically, you know, replicated um, viral content and publisher content. And, you know, how does that align with the brand and mm. what the brand is trying mm. to communicate? And, um, you know, what better way to, to answer this question and to look at the data? Um, our um, point of view on this was that, that that meme content was ultimately driving um, valuable engagements in the sense of comments and shares and tags, which were mm. driving viral reach, which was thus reaching new users, which were bringing more people into the funnel. Um, who we could then retarget with sales-led content further down the mm. user journey. And, and when we looked into it, um, what was really interesting was we benchmarked this meme content versus um, product-focused content, which was very much on brand. It conveyed the brand message. It showed the products. It made the client happy. Um, but it didn't drive the volumes of engagement that the meme content did. And mm. when we looked at the attribution against meme content and how that had actually affected the bottom line. Um, what we saw was that meme content had actually driven three times the ROI um, on average than That's the product focused content. Wow. So while on the surface, yeah, it drove loads of comment tags, not very much meaningful engagement, mm. so to speak, mm. in terms of the longer game and the, the, the strategy that which took took new audiences on the journey and served them further pieces of content before driving to, them to a website and remarketing to them. Um, that's where we started to see the the effects of that content at the top end mm. um, actually positively impacting on um, bottom line results. So so going off that, would you, you're saying it didn't get that much technically meaningful engagement, but it had such a big impact financially. Would you say to brands maybe don't, um, don't focus too much on trying to get Facebook's definition of meaningful engagement, but just keep your own stuff in mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look through the engagements that those posts received, they just had comment tags mm. and reactions and, you know, there's not very much meaningful engagement within tagging a friend. Really? Mm. Um, what would you What would you say meaningful engagement is to you? Well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? But meaningful engagement sounds like you're stimulating conversation yeah. and mm. um, real thought of, about the topic that's in the piece of content. Mm. Um, but that's not what you see. You don't really see any actual, you know, comments that say very much. People are just yeah. tagging a friend. Yeah. Um, it's a very easy thing to do. It takes five seconds. It's, you know... Um, for me, that that isn't what I would perceive meaningful engagement no. to be. But then that comes back to the whole point about the vagueness of what it is. Yeah. Because um, I want to throw this at you, Mike. Just just as you said that, and you were saying it's more about comments and uh, soliciting a discussion and whatnot. It's um, it strikes me that yes, in in one ways that is meaningful engagement. And I imagine Facebook and Instagram would love to live in this utopian world where everybody gets on and everybody can have a healthy debate. Then we get on stuff like uh, Twitter and the comment section of YouTube videos where people are quite negative. We get on stuff like trolling. Yeah. So people, you know, they, they might write a paragraph of their opinion, but it might be completely not invalid because we live in a democracy, but it might be quite damaging or quite offensive or, or anything like that. So it seems like a really, really hard thing to police. And then mm. I guess it goes back to that original point. Who defines that yeah, meaningful engagement? You, you know. What, yeah. what's healthy conversation what what is an unhealthy conversation yeah I that is true and I, I guess you know you leave yourself open um with the comment section on any platform mm. um to people who um want to discuss negativity however 
Um, what's quite interesting is that for some brands, they they focus a lot on negativity and social sentiment. And you know, anyone that works in social media um, will have at one point done a social listening report. Mm-hmm. So using a tool to measure the sentiment of specific comments on a post or um, specific responses to a certain hashtag or topic of conversation. Um, what's quite interesting is that a lot of brands see any hint of negative sentiment as um, a stimulus to potentially stop all of their advertising mm-hmm. um, and to stop activity on social because of the fear of attracting negative engagement mm-hmm. and, and negative sentiment. However, um, again, what people tend to overlook is the actual impact on business results and mm-hmm. whether um, the small minority of people that tend to respond negatively to certain topics um, are they actually your customers? That's mm. a question that you need to ask. Yeah. Mm. If you look mm. at a, a platform like Twitter, um, you know, Twitter in terms of its user base, it's quite young, it's quite left wing. The people that use Twitter tend to have, um, you know, certain types of views, not mm. to kind of pigeonhole everybody, but there is a, you know, a specific majority um, in terms of the user base there. So the views tend to fit um, within their outlook. Um, so you tend to get a lot of activists who use Twitter and, you know, mm. if there's an, anything about environmentalism, mm. you'll attract a lot of people that are interested in that topic, mm. however, have no connection to the brand whatsoever. Yeah. Yet at the same time, um, the brand will pull all marketing or, or stop their social media activity until things die down. Really? But again, it comes down to new audiences and reaching more people you know if one you might may get one negative comment but that one negative comment might drive um you know a reach of 20 through viral reach and mm. 15 of those people might not actually be bothered about the the negativity so to speak however yeah. they come into contact with the brand and just by thinking about the brand they become aware of it by proxy so mm. um does it actually have a value to be negative um you know, negativity and anger drives clicks, doesn't it? And drives awareness. It's engagement, it's meaningful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just different to what is. <laughs> yeah. Meaningful's and, not necessarily uh, nice. Yeah, it's and not it's, necessarily it's, positive. It's obviously a, you know, a massive step backwards to take if you think, I suppose, you've you've made this, uh, this social ad, you know, it's been in development for weeks or months or whatever, and then suddenly because of a few negative comments, you decide to pull that. It seems like a massive sort of... spooked so easily. Yeah, yeah. it's such a shame. We uh, we were having a conversation um, with someone from YouTube the other day, and they said um, they advise brands, because it's very common on YouTube for uh, brands and and whoever else to turn off the comments. Mm. Uh, Same Mm. on Instagram, actually. People turn off the comments if it's starting to pick up negativity. Uh, But she said it's always better just to let the conversation happen. Yeah, what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's better for the brand because in terms of the the algorithm and the ranking, it's going to push it up. Mm. Um, So your content gets more visibility and, you know, you can't change people's perspectives on something. No. Um, You've got to let them dictate that, but um, you should just roll with it. I'm aware that we are running out of time, so I want to wrap up on a sort of uh, final kind of point to ask you while we've got you in the room. So one of the things that me and Eve were talking about briefly the other day uh, was Snapchat's experiment, I I think you could call it, with meaningful engagement Mm. and what they did with their redesign by separating, we we call it separating the social from the media, I suppose. Mm. So you have your post from friends on one side and the media on the other side. Now, 
aside from being a bit of a clunky kind of redesign and a bit sort of irritable to use, why do you think that didn't work for them? Um, or did it work? I think more than anything. I mean, in, in some respects, it worked in the sense that they did create a new type of feed. Mm -hmm. um, the big challenge that Snapchat had was discoverability of content. It was very difficult for um, people to find new content on Snapchat. But what they've done... Um, with their new feed is they've created a, a format that works in terms of pushing their um, media partnerships, but also um, placing relevant content in front of people that may not have already found it. So mm -hmm. when I go on to it, I see stories from, you know, celebrities that mm -hmm. I don't follow or haven't engaged with, but fall within the kind of topics that I'm interested in. And also mm -hmm. right down to um, just average users as well, like people that I don't know that are, you know, sometimes in Manchester, um, sometimes further afield. Um, I think the key thing is is that they tried something and they tested, mm. um, mm. and that's the key thing for any platform um, and any brand involved in social media mm. um, marketing. And um, while it didn't work from a user perspective because it was quite clunky, it separated um, in essence what Snapchat is, which is a, you know it's a communication. Um, tool is mm. still very much a, a social network, mm. whereas um, you know Facebook's much more a, a media consumption platform. Snapchat mm. still has that essence of communication. People use it as a messenger tool. They send mm. pictures to their friends, um, and by separating that out and creating a new feed, it just there was a bit of a backlash. But there's always yeah. a backlash. Yeah. I mean, people didn't like it when um, Facebook introduced like the like button, and yeah. um, you know that did, when the algorithm came in, and mm. it wasn't just recent. You know, everybody kicked off about it, but mm. you know, people soon forget. On Instagram, it's the same. Everybody's you know, reminiscing about the algorithmic, um, sorry, the, um, the, the one based on time, um, mm. the, the news feed. Um, and it's the same thing there. So fantastic. I'm going to wrap us up right. there. Really awesome. uh, we could talk to you all day, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> find out more, but I'm sure we'll catch up more again in the future yeah. and uh, put your brains on everything that's going to go on in 2019. Look forward to it. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Thanks really for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Enjoyed this episode? A like, a share or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve and music by Pierre Flass.